Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19 of MacBook Pro. I just wanted to uh, give you guys a quick heads up. I have a major update for you. I've recently learned that my grandpa now listens to my podcast and my mom showed my grandma my podcast. And both of them told my mom that I need to stop cursing as much. So I'm just going to say, fuck that shit. (laughs) Just joking. Uh, I was on the phone. That's actually true, though. Um, I was on the phone with my mom before, and I was on speaker. And my grandma was like, you know, I wasn't expecting the F. I was expecting you to say shit, but I wasn't expecting the F. And I was like, I'm sorry. And then at some point, like two minutes later, my mom says fuck on the phone. And I was like, That's where I got that from, okay? Don't blame me for saying fuck on my podcast. My mom taught me how to say that word when I was a five-year-old or something. So uh, something weird happened to me tonight. I was sitting in my living room, and I was looking out into the courtyard, and directly across from my uh, apartment is another apartment that has who I thought was a maybe early 20s college kid, like a guy. Um, That's who I thought was living there because I always see this, you know, younger guy that has his shirt off when he's cooking and stuff. And it's like a far enough distance away where I can't like make out facial features exactly. So I was grabbing, I was grabbing dinner, um, a few nights ago with my neighbors and they told me as we were walking out of the building, they were like, there's this um, older lady in our building that sometimes stands in front of the building. And if you engage with her, uh, she lives there, by the way, if you engage with her, she usually yells at you, but more often than not, she commands you to do something. So one time my neighbor said that he had to carry a cabinet up up a flight of stairs for her, which, you know, makes sense. She can't do it herself. Um, one time, like last week, I was passing her and she pointed to a bicycle that was like in the hallway and the bicycle had a light on, like the back red light was on. She points to it and she goes, the light, the light. And I was like, yeah, well, what would you like me to do with the light? She's like, turn it off. I was like, but that's not my bike. She's like, turn it off. I was like, I don't know how to. She's like, I don't know how to either. Turn it off. I was like, okay. So I um, I, I finagled it and finally managed to turn it off. So that's kind of her MO. She just like sits and stands in front of the building with her walker and then just like yells at people who pass and then commands you if you make eye contact with her. So anyway, <clears throat> I was... When I was walking with them the other day, they revealed to me that the uh, young college kid is actually that woman. So tonight, I'm sitting in my 
living room and I kind of forgot that that was a piece of information that they had shared with me. The person that lives directly across from my apartment is that woman. And tonight the woman has no shirt on and no bra. And I forgot that it was not a a young kid. So I'm like in my uh, living room just now, just kind of like, you know, getting my stuff ready for the podcast. And I look over and I'm like, oh, that kid is cooking dinner with his shirt off. And then I was like, wait a second. That's like a 90-year-old lady with her boobs out. <laughs> and it was actually like the... I'm still shook. I'll just say that. It was... Uh, my window is now closed and I have the blinds closed as well. And it was very shocking. I was not expecting it. So yeah, um, that was quite a surprise for me tonight. Normally I like to start these podcasts in a somewhat relaxed state of mind, but yeah, that didn't happen today. So uh, yeah, sometimes people will ask what the the podcast is actually about and my answer changes on a week-to-week basis. You know, I've said that the podcast is about funny stories. I've said that the podcast is about life lessons and, you know, If somebody asked me next week what the podcast is about and I haven't recorded an episode since today, I'd say it's about this old lady that lives directly across from me in the courtyard whose boobs are apparently out all the time. And I just thought it was a, it was a skinny kid. And yeah, that's uh that's what the podcast is about these days. So I just learned um, a statistic from Chris Williamson and I don't know if I'm going to get it completely right, but it was something ridiculous, like 90% of podcasts don't make it past the third episode, and 99% of podcasts don't make it past the 20th episode. So we just got to keep our foot on the gas. We got to keep this thing going. You know, we're getting some content out there. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I am starting to notice, though, that I repeat myself a lot. The good news is most people that listen to my podcast tend to only listen to like one episode. I mean, I'm just guessing, but one episode. So, you know, maybe I should just tell all the best stories every episode. And then people that listen will get what they want and they'll never listen again. And they'll be like, that was an amazing podcast. It's so many good stories. It'll be like a stand-up comedy special. That's my hope. So... You know, people, not people, but friends have asked, you know, how I prepare for the podcast. And, you know, my answer has been the same since the first episode. I try to keep this as simple as I possibly can. I don't do any prep work. I have no pieces of paper in front of me that give me, you know, funny things to say or interesting topics to cover. Um, But, you know, as I'm I'm doing the the podcast, I do start to think about things um, that I would find interesting to talk about. And one of the skills that I developed over the years that has helped me so much that I I never even thought that it would help me in anything is freestyle rapping. So for anybody that doesn't know what freestyle rapping is, uh, you put on an instrumental rap beat. So it's just the beat without any words. And then you make up the words as the song goes along. So you'll make up a rap uh, essentially on the fly. And that means that you need to figure out words that rhyme, that make sense, that have a good flow. And I've been doing that now for maybe 12 years, 
maybe 13 years, definitely 12 years though. Um, I started to do that when I was in high school and I just never fell out of love with it. It's crazy. Um, for me, it just brings me so much value to get in touch with that side of myself that's creative. And I find that it's also very therapeutic. You know, if I'm having a bad evening or bad moment in the day, I'll just put on a beat and I'll just freestyle. And I just find that it really does, you know, it unblocks, it unblocks my, my mind a bit and kind of, you know, helps me set things straight. And I think what it's always helped with specifically is the emotion of sadness or loneliness because it's just such a good channel for me to get my thoughts out and to have fun with it. It's kind of like a color. I was going to say it's kind of like a coloring book, but it's more like doodling, I would say actually, where there are no defined lines and you kind of just get to decide the story that you're going to tell. And, um, I really love it. I've been, uh, I've done it with so many of my friends now where, you know, we'll just put on a beat and freestyle for like five to five minutes to like an hour to two hours. I mean, it used to just be so much fun. I mean, it still is, but when you're younger, you go to a party and you always find a group of people that want to freestyle. And last summer I had my housewarming party and it pretty much just turned into a freestyle session in my kitchen, which was a lot of fun. And uh, it's funny how when you really enjoy doing something and you never see it as like anything more than fun, uh, you kind of miss out on thinking about it strategically, you know, like what the actual benefits of it are. They almost come as a surprise. And so, yeah, freestyling has really helped me not only just being able to express myself, but it does help me think faster. As I mentioned, it definitely helps me come up with topics for the podcast on the spot. But in addition to that, it also uh, enables me on, on sales calls, I notice. Sometimes before I'm jumping on a call with a client, I hope none of my clients listen to this episode. Uh, but sometimes before I jump on a call with a client, I'll freestyle for like three minutes. And I've just found that it really does allow me to, I guess, just unlock that part of my brain that needs to be a little bit more nimble and flexible in terms of, yeah, the topics that we cover and being a little bit more on my feet, on my toes, I should say. So yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, maybe if we ever hang out, I'll freestyle for you, but maybe I won't. I don't know. I don't know you yet. But I've also probably, I don't think I've ever said no to freestyling. One time I was in my bedroom. I was probably, let's just say I was 21, maybe 20. And I was experiencing like a moment with my mom where, you know, just like any other teenager, I felt like she didn't understand me. And I told her, I'm going to freestyle for you so you can understand me. And I did. And it was the worst freestyle to up to that point in my life. And I just remember thinking to myself, yo, now she's definitely not going to understand me because none of my words even rhymed. Now she's just like, what the fuck was that? 
we didn't talk about it. That was always the funny thing about my mom is that, I mean, not funny in like a haha way, but funny in like an interesting way and super beneficial was that anytime that anything uncomfortable happened, she just let it go really quickly. Um, one time she, when I was like 17 years old, we had a house that like we rented and there were three bedrooms and one bathroom. And I guess I stupidly flushed a condom down the toilet and it didn't go down the toilet because it's a fucking condom. I think the wrapper was in there too. Like it was just really stupid. And anyway, I didn't, I didn't notice. And I'm in my room. My mom knocks on the door and she goes, Hey, uh, did you flush a condom in the toilet? And my face automatically goes pale because I think I just started having sex like maybe like that month. So this is like pretty new for me or maybe like in the last three months. That So that was a, a new experience. And I look at her in the face, like I'm probably shaking and I'm like, uh, yes, I did flush a condom, and but it wasn't because I had sex. She just looks at me very puzzled, like kind of like um, explain. And I was like, I was practicing and she just walks out of the room walks back into the room and she's like, don't worry about it. I had two younger brothers growing up. I know what it's like. And then we never spoke of it again. And that was the best part I think about growing, I mean, not the best part, but one of the best parts about growing up with my mom, just having her as like my primary parent because my dad wasn't in the picture is that my mom was always very understanding and I never felt like I needed to I mean, obviously, I I had to say certain things because I didn't want it to get weird, but she never like rubbed it in my face. She was never there to kind of like prove me guilty. She just had like very common, you know, questions and and concerns like any parent would have. Um, And what I loved was that sometime in senior year of high school, she became really social herself and she started to like hang out with groups of friends and you know becoming more um popular and being invited out to dinner and going to parties and stuff like that and it was beautiful i mean if i look back on it in hindsight because at that point you know up to up to that point she had just been a single mom whose main priority were her children and one of the children had already um flew the nest is that the right word uh had already left home so it was really just me and I was about to leave home myself. So she kind of just like loosened up a little bit and was always, you know, not always, but very often out and about. And even when she wasn't out and about, she had just become like a lot chiller about certain things. And like in the US, you can't drink until you're 21. Having a party at your house is always a giant risk because if the parent is found to be like negligent, they can get in a lot of trouble from the police. So like if you pretty much like if you're home while your kids are drinking, then you're pretty much complicit as I understand it. Um, And you can get in a lot of trouble. But if you're not home and your kids have a party, you know, you kind of as a parent have to say like, I didn't know that this was happening. But that also means that like, you can get seriously fucked as the kid having the party at the house because you're pretty much like having a party without your parents' knowledge. And, you know, the cops can come and arrest kids. 
but my mom was super chill about it. And I am very grateful to this day because, you know, she definitely helped me my senior year become a little bit more popular. Like up until that point, I was just like a little dweeb and, you know, I got into fistfights and stuff because kids gave me shit. But in my senior year, I just had a lot more free reign to have parties at the house and, you know, to do stuff. And, you know, a couple uh, memorable highlights would be one night I had a party at the house in winter and I think my mom was away for the weekend. And so I have all these kids in the basement. That's where it was supposed to be contained. But eventually, you know, kids start going outside and, and inside the house and stuff. So anyway, I am... um. I'm pretty reserved like in terms of how much I'm drinking for the beginning of the night because I don't want things to get out of control. Like I was always very careful about that. But by the end of the night, you know, I kind of just stopped caring as much and um, I was pretty wasted. And there was this girl that was a couple grades below me and she was this girl this girl who was in my class, who was extremely beautiful's younger sister. And so it was like two really beautiful girls. And anyway, um, yeah, I was like flirting with her all night. I really thought in my mind, I was like, oh man, you know, I'm fucking killing it right now. I think I was. Yeah. If I ever time travel that that'll be, you know, one of those points of contention. If I have unlimited time travels, I just need to know for myself, you know, if I was actually spitting game that night or if I was just saying stupid shit. But in my mind, I was spinning game. So that's the story I'm going to stick with. So at some point, I am absolutely shit-faced. And I remember needing to lie down because I was so drunk. So all of my friends are leaving and stuff. And I wake up the next morning. And my legs are on the bed. But my entire torso and arms and face are on the ground and there is vomit all around me in my bedroom and there is a loaf of bread with every single piece of bread whole thrown next to me so it's just a ton of pieces of bread next to me and then empty pill bottles the orange kind so i wake up and, you know, stick my hand onto the ground to push off so that I can kind of go onto my bed or whatever. And my hands are like pretty much covered in, you know, bread and vomit. And I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck happened last night? I look to my right and I see like empty pill bottles. And my first thought is I might've overdosed last night on pills. So I'm pretty freaked out. I didn't take pills by the way. So I, I was just as surprised as anybody else would have been. Anyway, um, I look at the, the pills more closely and I realize they're like ibuprofen or something or like some kind of, you know, antibiotic and they were already empty. Like it had just been empty pill bottles. I don't know where they were from, maybe from like the cabinet or something, but, or from like the um, countertop, I should say. But yeah, anyway, uh, there's a note and it's from that girl that I was, you know, spitting game to. And she was like, hey, I had so much fun last night. It was really nice, like, hanging out with you. Or I had fun tonight. She was writing it while she was still there. I had fun tonight. It was really nice hanging out with you. Uh, yeah, just so you know, like, you have bread because we wanted to, 
you know, make you feel better, but then people just threw it at you. And also those pill bottles were already empty. Uh, yeah, I tried to clean up as much as I could before I left. And, uh, I hope that you feel better tomorrow. Never spoke to this girl again, but super fucking hot. And, um, I'll never forget you. That sounds super creepy. I'm 29 now. She's 27. Okay. So it doesn't sound that creepy, but anyway, uh, let's just move on because I do feel uncomfortable. And so, you know, that was one of the, one of the, the, the major highlights of the parties, just because I felt like I was finally starting to have more popularity, I guess, if you want to say that. And then in my town, it was very common if you had a house party and you didn't invite people or you told them that they couldn't come in, they would call the cops out of spite. And, and I think I've also mentioned um, this story. I was at a party with this, like the girl that I was in love with in my senior year that we eventually, you know, started to see each other um, for four and a half years. And I think what had happened at the party that we were at together one night is that a bunch of kids came from a different school and they were told that they had to leave, like they weren't welcome there. And then somebody took a very large stone, like a boulder almost, and like smashed my windshield with it and also dented the front of my car. So that's just like an example of like how kids retaliate when they're not invited. They, you know, will destroy your house, they'll destroy your property, or they'll call the police. So I learned that valuable lesson and decided I'm never going to tell somebody that they can't come to my party. I would rather have my enemy in my house than have them conspiring against me. So I always had what are called in the States open houses where it's like anybody who wants to come can come. And I was really careful about, you know, making sure that nobody went into rooms and stuff that they shouldn't be in. Nobody ever had sex in my mom's room or on my brother's bed or on my bed. Um, and nobody stole stuff to my knowledge. Yeah. Anywho, um, so I had like a few parties over the summer, including a graduation party. And there was this kid that came over to my graduation party that I didn't know very well. He was a nice enough kid though. He was someone's cousin. And we're in the backyard and how the graduation party worked was, you know, there was alcohol and there were like a ton of adults, right? So it was a supervised drinking event kind of. And there were tubs and tubs of, um, I guess, tubs and tubs full, full of ice and beer. And over the night, you know, there's less and less beer. And then eventually the only beer that's left is non-alcoholic beer. So by the time that this kid's cousin shows up, there's only non-alcoholic beer, like zero, 0.0%. And he walks up to me at some point and he's like, hey, where can I get beer? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we might still have some, just like check the tubs, whatever's there you can have. So he's like, okay. So he comes back. Maybe I see him like 30 minutes later and he's drinking a beer and he's like slurring his words. He also accidentally burned me with a cigarette that he was smoking. And I was like, dude, watch it, man. You just burned me with your cigarette. He's like, man, I'm so wasted. I was like, well, what did you drink before you got here? He's like, I didn't drink anything before I got here. I'm like, well, what are you drinking now? He shows me it's a fucking non-alcoholic beer. And I'm like, what did you drink before this beer? He goes, I've just only had these tonight. But he didn't realize, like, it doesn't say 0.0 on it. It's just the brand itself is a non-alcoholic beer. So, yeah, this kid is, like, slurring his words and shit. I'm like, oh, my God, this kid's such a fucking loser. Burning me with a cigarette and also slurring his words from non-alcoholic beer. 
I don't know what happened to that kid, but I wouldn't be surprised if he died drunk driving while sober that night. Okay, that was kind of a good joke, I admit. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you're when you're that young and you're drinking, it's so dangerous. Like I understand now why parents in the United States are so like worried about where their kids are and why my mom was always so willing to pick us up no matter where we were. Like if I called my mom at four o'clock in the morning, she would spring out of bed, tell me to wait right there and then drive and come pick me up. She never berated me. She never asked questions. She just wanted us to be safe. And if she were here right now, like, I mean, she's still alive. Thank God. I'm going to knock on wood. But if she were in this room right now, I'd give her a hug and kiss her forehead because that is true love right there. I think I would tell my kids, you can fucking walk home. But now, because my mom has given me the amount of love that she has, I probably would do the same because now I know what it's like. I've seen it. I've seen it live. So um, there was one night where I went to this kid's party um, down the street and he was a grade below me, but he was quite popular, but he was like such a sweet dude, like really like a very, very humble, nice guy. He had a really cool house, like in his basement, he had a, a half pipe for skating and his parents were just like, you know, very supportive of him and just really sweet people as well. Well, one night he has a party at his house and he invites me. And it was like the first party that I'd ever been invited to. I didn't even know if I was going to go because I was like so surprised that somebody had invited me to a party. I was 16. So I go to the party and, you know, he has like some beers there and people have brought beer. And my mom had just had a party at the house. And so I wanted to be like a good friend and I told him, you know, I'll go get some more beer. My mom has some at the house. So I'd already had like three beers at that point and I'm fucking wasted. It was my first time drinking. I'm fucking wasted. Sorry, grandma and grandpa. I'm really drunk. And so I walk around the house. You know, we have the front door and then we have a gate that goes around the back of the house. And that's where I knew that there was a cooler full of beer. It was from the, the day before, so it was still on ice. As I'm walking around the corner to the back of the house, I realize that my brother is standing right in front of the beer, and he has just beaten me by like literally three seconds to the same idea. So I see him, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, Shh, shut up, mom's inside. I'm taking this. I was like, I want it. And he's like, no, fuck off. And he grabs the cooler and he goes in back up the driveway and his friends drive him off somewhere. So I realize that there is a little bit more beer in the garage because that's where most of the warm beer was. And I don't know why I didn't just open the garage door from the outside, which would have probably been quieter. I probably could have just opened the garage door from the outside, slid underneath the door, and then taken some beers, and my mom would have never known. What did I do instead? I walk through, well, I sorry, I walk up the steps of the back door. I see my mom has her back to the door because she's watching TV in the living room but the living room is really small. And so it's like only like 10, maybe 15 steps from the door is where my mom is sitting. 
So I open up the screen door really slowly, and then I open up the other door really slowly, and I go to open the door, and I fall and trip through the door. Like, I don't break the door, but I, like, bang the side of the door and stumble onto the ground. So, of course, my mom turns around like, what the fuck is happening? And I'm just looking at her like a deer in headlights. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, uh. And then I just take off for the garage. And I run into the garage. I grab like three to, I don't know, five beers. And I just sprint back out the way I came without closing the door behind me. And my mom is just screaming after me like, hey, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? And I just went like three houses down back to the party and when I showed back up I'm like you know sweating and I'm probably red and I just look like such a doofus and I'm like yeah and everyone's like yeah and that's it um that night I stayed at that kid's house I he was so gracious he was like dude you can sleep uh I have two beds in my bedroom you can sleep on the top bunk it was kind of like a bunk bed where the beds were not directly on top of one another, but like diagonal, diagonally, they, they touched corners, but they touched corners diagonally, but one bed was elevated above the other. So it was like bunk beds, but on angles. It was pretty cool. Anyway, I ended up getting really sick. The room started spinning and I ended up throwing up all over the bed that I was sleeping on and on his bed as well. I'm really sorry, dude. If you ever listen to this podcast, you know who you are. And I just wanted to tell you, you're a really good person. And I hope that you're happy. I hope that you have everything that you could ever ask for. You created this monster. Anyway. So, yeah, that was um, the, the first party that I ever went to in my life. And then, you know, I had like a bunch of run-ins with the law, if you will. There was one party I went to at my buddy Zay's house. And if we, if me and my other friend who was also there, there were actually quite a few of us there, but if me and my other friend who I'm still best friends with um, ever bring up this story to Zay, Zay will always say that it happened differently than it did. But me and my friend always tell the story the same way. So you guys can use your judgment to determine what the real version of the story is. So that night, Zay has a party at his house because his parents are in New York City, which is like two and a half, three hours away, and they are not coming home for that night. And a little piece of context that's super important is that Zay's house is directly next to the chief of police of our town. So... The party is an open house. Well, it's not supposed to be, but it turns into one. And Zay went to a different school than I did. So there are some kids from my school and some kids from the private school that he went to. And before we go to that party, um, the best friend that I was mentioning, whose name I, I will not reveal, I will give him a fake name now. His name is... Uh, fuck, I was going to say Steven, but... I don't know. I like that name. Let's just call him Steven. So Steven, who went to the private school with Zay, they kind of, I don't know why I didn't censor Zay's name. Whatever. I'm going to have to leave out details now. Gosh, gosh, why did I do this? 
All right. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, so we have a part. So so he has the party at his house, and I don't have any alcohol. So one of my friends from my school, he I invited him. He was like, my parents just had a party yesterday, and they made jungle juice. And if you don't know what jungle juice is, it is a guaranteed hangover. It's like a mixture of different juices and liquors and, you know, it's just a complete concoction that nobody can really like pinpoint uh, what's inside, but it is usually very delicious and very strong. So we go to his house and we find these like empty jugs, like empty gallon jugs of water. And we just start filling up these jugs of water that were empty with jungle juice. So now we have like three or four gallons of jungle juice, which is amazing. And we're all only drinking it ourselves. Like that was our plan was that we would drink our own jungle juices. We weren't providing it to the party. So when we get to the party, um, people are like literally pouring out of the door. Like there are so many more people than are supposed to, than there are supposed to be there. And when I walk through the front door with, you know, my buddy Steven and uh, those other kids, I immediately see Zay and I'm like, my boy, I give him, I like dap him up. I'm like, dude, it's so good to see you. He's like, man, thank you so much for coming. You know, we're like chatting a little bit and he like gets back to his party. I see in the backyard that there's a group of people freestyle rapping. I can just point it out immediately because I see them all in a circle and it's all dudes and they're all nodding their head, and they look like they're rapping. So that's where I spend my time at the party. I walk directly there, and I start freestyling, and maybe an hour into like just being in the backyard and hanging out, I look into the house, and I see that there are kids scrambling, like literally running in all different directions. And eventually, I see the person whose house it is, is dad. I'm not going to say that... I'm not going to say his name, even though I've already said it, but I see his dad and his dad is very unhappy. And that is obvious. And his dad, um, I'm not going to say what he does, but you know, he, um, definitely shows an act of physical aggression against his son. And yeah, everyone just fucking bolts out of the room. And I see this kid who drove there, whose car is in the driveway, and I know that he had been drinking. It was really stupid, I know, but I I knew him well enough, and I was like, yo, dude, can you give me a ride? He's like, I'm parked right here. Let's just try to get out of here before his dad comes. So his dad does not see me. I go into like the driveway. It's getting a little bit dark, and we're sitting in the car. My friend's trying to start the car, but the car won't start, and it's a manual. So eventually... Um, after him turning the key like six times, we see Zay's dad is coming down the driveway towards us. So uh, this kid, Jordan, puts his car into, uh, this kid, Jordan, puts his car into neutral and he's about to like actually pull out of the driveway um, to let his car kind of roll down the driveway. And Zay's dad knocks on the wind on the window as we're about to do this, and we roll down the window, and Zay's dad doesn't look into the car. He's really a tall guy. He just like says, hey, you have to get out of here. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm so fucking lucky right now. Like Zay's dad doesn't even see me. I'm about to like get out of this driveway. Well, Jordan rolls the car down the driveway, and as we're rolling down the driveway, we see that there are two 
two police cars coming down the street. So Jordan immediately turns his wheel so that he can pull over on the bank of the driveway and we get out of the car again because we don't want to get, you know, drinking and driving um, charge. And we're walking up the driveway and I see my friends, by the way, are all diving into the woods with like the ones that I came with, with the jungle juice. They all had their own jungle juices and stuff. I have my jungle juice still and I throw my jungle juice into the woods. And now a police officer is getting out of the car and he's walking towards me and Jordan and my friend Steven because now we're kind of all trapped in the driveway. It's, you know, we're running away from Zay's dad, but right into the arms of the police pretty much. So the police officer shines his light on all three of us and he pushes us all up against uh, a car that's in the driveway. And he goes, have you been drinking tonight? And Zay's dad walks over and Zay's dad is a former police officer like a police detective, and uh, he's like, I'll handle these boys, and the police officer's like, no, these kids are going to get in trouble, they've been drinking tonight, and Zay's dad's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll handle them, and the police officer's like, no, 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 I don't think you understand, like, I'm, these kids are going to go to jail tonight for drinking, and so we're all pressed against the car, I'm like, pretty much about to piss myself because I'm thinking, you know, there goes my fucking life just because I got drunk at a party at 17 or 18. And, uh, yeah, the police officer is like asking us questions. And then out of nowhere, me and Steven hear a noise. It's like a garbage bag ruffling. And we look up from the driveway and we see on the front porch, Zay is coming down the stairs with a garbage bag. And the police officer's head also turns and he shouts at Zay and goes, hey, what are you doing? And, and uh, Zay is like, uh, what? And he's like, what are you doing? Come down here. And I forget like exactly if anything else was said, but the only thing that Stephen and I remember is Zay going for sure and walking down the driveway and the police officer just looking at him like he could not feel more disrespected and me and Steven are fucking shitting ourselves and Jordan is also like worried as hell and eventually the police officer um tells like he you know he's really giving us like the the hard-nosed approach, and he tells the dad, okay, I'll let you guys handle this. They should be going to jail, though. And he kind of like, you know, police officers do this thing where they're like, you know, they they threaten that they're going to change their mind. It's, it's like the most terrifying thing, you know? They're like, I'll let you handle it, but don't don't make me, you know, regret doing this. And it's like, okay, fucking asshole. You're like scaring the shit out of us. We're only 17. And uh, yeah, eventually we just face the scorn of Zay's dad, which is arguably worse than having gone to jail because, you know, he's using language. He, he and his, uh, he and Zay's mother are using language about being disappointed in us and, you know, saying, did you know this was happening? And I'm really disappointed that this, you know, happened, whatever. Um. And we all just kind of felt like shit. And of course, we were forced to clean up the entire place and 
I actually went back into the woods that night looking for the jungle juice. And, you know, I don't want to point any fingers because it's not my place, but I, I do blame those two other kids from my high school. I think that one of them took my jungle juice. And if you have any leads about where the jungle juice went, it was pink. It was in a large Poland Springs gallon jug. I would like any information that you can provide me. So I hope that I've painted, you know, what it's like to actually go out in the States, especially like, I mean, I can only speak about one area, but like in East Hampton, New York, I hope that I've given you like an idea of how fucking scary it can be to go out and to get caught by the police when you're underage. Alcohol is no joke um, to the police officers in my town. It's really not something that they take lightly at all. And I remember there was a point in time right before I started seeing that girl that I saw for four and a half years where I was hanging out with um, three of my friends and these like is usually between two and two and four girls from a private school in New Jersey. Um, but one of the girls, her house was like on a, an island nearby called Shelter Island. So, you know, she would have her friends from New Jersey out for the weekend or for the week or whatever. And then we would kind of hang out with them. It was pretty cool. Um, those girls are really nice um, sometimes. And um, there was one night where I was driving, I was driving around, we, it was like, I don't exactly remember how it happened, but I was in my Chrysler, Chrysler LeBaron and I was with three of my dude friends, I think, and maybe two girls, or maybe it was two dude friends and two girls. And we were going to go back to this girl's house um, to drink and do who knows what else. I have no idea. And they, my friends were drinking beer and we had just gotten Chinese food. Um, so they were, they were eating Chinese food in my car and drinking beers and stuff. And how it works in Shelter Island is that you take a ferry like you park your car on a ferry and then the ferry takes, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes and then you get to the other side and then you keep driving. So when we get off the ferry to the other side, within like 10 or 15 minutes, I'm getting pulled over by a police officer and my friends, as I mentioned, are drinking beers in the back. And so um, rather than chugging the remainder of the beers that they had, they just took their beers and rolled them whatever was in them under the seat. Now the police officer, it's winter time. So uh, all of the windows are closed. So the car smells like Chinese food and beer. The police officer tells me that I need to roll down my window and he starts asking me questions. What are you guys doing? I'm telling him like, we're just hanging out. I'm about to go over to this girl's house. He's like, what are you guys doing there? I'm just hanging out. He's like, okay, what were you doing tonight? Just had Chinese food. He goes, what's that on the carpet? And I was like, I mean, I can't see, right? It's the back of the car. And I'm like, what? And he's like shining his light on it. He goes, what is that? And I go, it's probably Chinese food. And he goes, the last time I checked, Chinese food doesn't bubble. Get out of the car. So now I'm shitting myself. So he goes into the back of the car and he pulls out all of the beer cans from under the seat. 
and he pours them out on top of my car. And he's, you know, yelling at me because he's like, you fucking lied to me. And he's like, have you had anything to drink tonight? And I tell him no, which is the honest truth. And he's like, do you have any more beer in the car? I say no. He's like, okay. I'm calling these girls parents. They're going to come pick them up. And you guys are going to go back to East Hampton. So, you know, the girl's parents come to pick them up. They ask if I've been drinking. The police officer says, no, he's breathalyzed me and I haven't. They're like, okay. They take the girls home. Now it's just me and my friends. And we're all just waiting in the car. And the police officer comes back over to the window and he's like, come with me. And I have to sit in his car and he's like asking me questions, you know, about the night. And I see this look of recognition in his eyes as he's looking at my car and he just hops out of the car and he's like, pop your trunk. So I pop my trunk and what's there? Like a 24 rack of beers and whatever's left. And he takes the, the beers. I think he starts smashing them or throwing them. I don't remember, but he like puts some of them in his car. And then he makes me call my mom on the phone and then he asked my mom, you know, where I got the beer from and then berates me. And then, yeah, pretty much just says like, if I catch you here again tonight, I'm going to arrest you. You're free to go. When you're under 21 and there are police officers like literally lurking in the shadows all the time waiting for you, you can imagine like how paranoid you become. Um, in a town like that. I just wish that the cops like hadn't been so aggressive for something that's so stupid, something that becomes legal in just a matter of time. If you can just wait, it becomes fucking legal. It really makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. But that's not what this podcast is about. As I already mentioned, we have no idea what it's about, but it's definitely not about complaining about the police. But fuck fuck the police officers that were always giving us trouble in my town. So, um, yeah, I actually have no idea where else I was going to go with that, but that was a, a pretty good sum, summation of what it was like, um, to, to grow up in the Hamptons and just like the, the way that it, the way that it feels to look back on those moments it is surreal because now I live in a place where you can start drinking as a kid when you're 16 years old. You can have beer, beer and wine, I believe. And then when you're 18, you can have liquor. And I see kids that are drunk all the time. Maybe it's because I'm in a city and I'm not in the suburbs, but like, you know, they seem pretty okay. I've seen, I've seen some stuff. Like I, I went out, I went out for wine last night with a, with a friend and while we were at this wine bar, I saw this guy who's like, I actually didn't see him at first. Like he was at a table with a few other people. Um, and I was facing my friend having a conversation and I heard the sound of uh, wine pouring onto the table. And I look and I realize it's not wine pouring on the table. This guy's head is on the table and he's throwing up with his head on the table. So there's, he's just throwing up. And, you know, I think to myself, this guy is probably 30 years old. 
and he's throwing up at a bar on a table. And you have kids as well that are like 16 and 17 that are completely fine. And so I don't think it's an an age issue about whether or not somebody is capable of holding their liquor. I really do believe it comes down to an individual by individual basis. Um, and, you know, maybe the biggest risk in my town is that was the fact that there was no public transit, really. So in order to drink, you really always had to rely on other people who could, you know, pick you up or drop you off. And then obviously a lot of people drive drunk in my town, which is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It puts it, it really does put things into perspective about how lucky I was to have survived that time because, you know, there were just so many moments in my town where I felt like I could have gone to jail or I could have gotten in trouble. And I was lucky because my mom always instilled the importance of not drinking and driving. I actually, I don't think I've ever driven while drunk in my entire life. And if I ever had, I would have been absolutely screwed, like 100%. So, you know, it's just good, good that that never happened to me, but I know quite a few people whose lives have been ruined by that kind of thing. One of the, one of the um, topics that I probably bring up a lot in my podcasts is the topic of parenting and, and being able to like actually be a good uh, role model to your child. And I had a conversation with my mom about this. I think it was yesterday. I'm pretty sure I talk to my mom about it every single day, if I'm being honest, but you know, I think I, I really do believe that I have this conversation every day. But one of the things that I always talk about is how much sacrifice it requires to be a good parent. Because if you're a good parent, um, it, it, it's usually, you know, when, when someone's a good parent, it usually means that they've given up a lot to, to be a, a good parent. Um, it's not easy, I would imagine, to be a good parent. You know, there's like a lot of temptations that happen because you have, you know, your own interest as a uh, human being who at one point didn't have kids. So, you know, you have a life before. And uh, with my mom, you know, I think one of the things that she has always done a very good job of is just putting me and my brother first. And I don't know that I would necessarily be able to do that like at this age, but I have to say, like, really, I really, really respect it. We need more parents out there that are, um, that are selfless, you know, that not only are selfless, but very, very patient. I mean, can you imagine your kid flushing a condom down the toilet with the wrapper and then having a calm conversation with him about it and not even like making it weird? One time I was home and making a smoothie and I had a ninja blender or my mom had a Ninja Blender, and the inside of the Ninja Blender, it's a uh, it's removable, interchangeable with different blades. And I tilted the um, the entire, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, the container that has the the plastic thing, whatever. I I tilted that, and the blade came out of the um, container, 
of the glass of the mug, whatever. I don't know, guys, I don't know what it's called. And the blade comes out and lands directly in my foot. And I've never seen blood that vivid before. It was like the reddest blood I've ever seen in my life. And I remember it just like a little bit of blood just squirted out of my foot, like, like, and then it went all over my, my black socks. And then I look at, I looked at my toe and I was like, oh my gosh, I almost just lost my fucking toe. Like this, the blade went into my foot and then came immediately out. And that's where the the squirting of the blood came in. And then I, I immediately called up my friend. Uh, it was actually Zay. And I was like, dude, I think I'm about to lose my toe. I just had a blade fall into it. And he was like, I'll be right there. But he lived like 30 minutes away. So he, he gets to my house and I show him my toe. And he's like, dude, that's not even bad. I have some band-aids. And he put some band-aids on it and that was it. Um, <laughs> and then my mom, you know, just having to deal with these kinds of conversations. Like having girls must be so much better for for a man and for like for a, a dad and for a mom because if something tells me that like girls when they grow up I mean I don't know I knew girls when I was like a, a little boy but something tells me that girls are just like less stupid when they're growing up than little boys are my brother and I used to do such stupid shit at every age of us being men and if he ever listens to this, he's probably not going to like me saying this, but he still does a lot of stupid shit. And I just know that like women in general tend to mature faster. At least that's the stereotype. And that's been my experience as well. I would, if I have the chance, I would a hundred percent rather have daughters than have sons. Because if I had to deal with any of the bullshit that my kids put me through, any of my, like if I had to deal with the shit that me and my brother put my mom through, I would actually probably murder my own kids i'd be like i'd I'd either say i'm gonna kill you or you're gonna leave and never come back when i was four years old i was in the kitchen and i don't know exactly like how this happened but my brother and i were playing with lighters uh zippos because my father had zippos so like they're if you don't know them they're like the silver blocky lighter that you flip open they have like a very distinct sound when they open and they have a very distinct sound when you ignite them and the difference between a zippo and like a normal lighter that you would see like a disposable one is that all you have to do with the zippo is just you know ignite it once and it stays lit to kill the flame you actually just close the top so my brother and i are fooling around with these lighters in the kitchen and i end up I don't know if this actually happened, to be honest. I really do believe to this day that I was framed by my older brother. But uh, supposedly, I held the lighter up to a jacket that was sitting on a chair, that was hanging over a chair. And it turned out that it was my grandfather's Navy jacket. And it was, you know, really old. So it was like pretty dry, I would say. Not only dry, but like also kind of weathered. And it immediately caught fire. And my mom and my dad were asleep in bed and the entire kitchen is like on fire because of me, because of my brother. Um, But I'll take the fall if I have to, because of me. And so they wake up and the house is like literally being encapsulated by flames. And 
yeah, if my son had done that, I would have probably like sent him to the military or something and said, you know, don't, don't come back home until you've won a war or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you say to your kid when you kick them out, become a dentist or something, and then we'll talk. Um, but yeah, if that had happened to me, I, I, I mean, if that had happened while I was a parent to that kid, I would have definitely lost my shit. Something tells me that girls do like different stuff. That's also bad. Um, I imagine that girls like bully other girls and you just don't even notice that your daughter's a bully. Like the difference between like a son being a bully and a daughter being a bully. It's like when a son is a bully, I feel like the, the warning signs are pretty obvious. Maybe if your son's a bully, you can tell when the son is hanging out with other friends that their friends are afraid of them. That would probably be a good giveaway. Another could be that like the kid is like maybe rude in general towards people. You can tell that they're like getting a power trip. Um, and then lastly, an- another way, I mean, parents call, right? So like when kids are getting when their kids are getting bullied and they ask them like who did this you know the parents will often call up the parents of the bully and be like your kid is bullying my kid and then lastly i guess would be um if the kid that is being bullied retaliates against the bully and your kid comes home and he has like a black eye that's probably another good giveaway that you know your kid is probably bullying or being bullied but for girls, I don't even know what girls do. I mean, I've definitely been bullied by girls, but like not like sustained, right? Like girls can just be like super mean to boys and super mean to girls. Um, and they tend to, to, to be mean in like a more verbal and psychological way that I've noticed. Like one time there was this girl that was like bigger than me. And she said like, I don't know. She like came up to me and she was like trying to get me to say, the state of Idaho, because if I said Idaho, it would sound like I'm a hoe. But she was like, how do you say the state that, you know, it? it's like ID, what's the rest of it? And I was like, Udaho. And then there was this other girl next to her and she was like, oh, damn. I was like, yeah, so I saw straight through that shit. You got to fucking play tougher if you want to win. Um. I don't know why I gave you that example out of all of them, but something tells me that like, you know, when women bully each other, it's more of like cutting girls out of groups, um, you know, maybe making like really snide comments about things that they know it will really affect them, like their weight, uh, telling their crushes that they have. I'm, I'm really only using mean girls right now as a frame of reference, just so you guys know, I have no idea what girls are really like with each other, but yeah, um, you know, that's like probably not like your biggest concern as a parent, you know, if your daughter is psychologically bullying other children, that's probably not like the biggest thing. It's probably like much more jarring if your son is beating up other kids, because then you're thinking, wow, my son is displaying antisocial behavior that will probably lead him to become a school shooter. So that's like probably taking the higher priority, um, I would imagine. Uh And, you know, like my mom also witnessed a lot of stuff that I feel like, you know, we still haven't talked about. So I'm just going to awkwardly bring it up on this podcast. Like one time there was this girl that came over my house. She had a boyfriend. So I I never thought anything would happen between us. But I had such a huge crush on her. She was like one of the only girls that ever showed any kind of interest in me um, when I was like 16 years old. So So she comes over my house. 
And we had just been friends up to that point. And we had like sat together in a class and we saw each other at the YMCA. She was like solely the reason that I went to the YMCA. I had no business going there. But once I met her there, I was like on a computer and she like talked to me. I was like, I'm never not going to this place if this girl still continues to come here. So she comes back to my place one night and she asked me if I have wine. And I was like, I think my mom has some wine. And she like had a glass of wine. Again, she has a boy, she had a boyfriend and the boyfriend lived in Colombia. She was also Colombian. And she puts on this song, which to this day is still one of my favorite songs. Um, now, now I don't know the name of it. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay, it's called Hold You by Egyptian. I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble. For, oh, I want to play it, but I think I would get in trouble if I play it and one day become a famous podcaster, so I don't want to get sued. So yeah, anyway, she's playing that song and she's grinding on me while I'm completely sober in my living room and I'm thinking to myself, this is definitely the best moment of my life, hands down. So we go back into my bedroom and um, we don't have sex, but she's like in my bed and my mom comes home and she's, you know, when my mom would come home, she'd always say, hey, honey, how are you? Whatever. But she like walks inside and she's like, okay, where is he? I'm not in the living room, but there's like probably a glass of wine in the living room and there's music playing and she knocks on my bedroom door and I'm like, what? And she's like, what are you doing in there? I'm like, go away. And she's like, what are you doing in there? I'm like, I'm with Alex. And she's like, what are you doing in there? I'm like, go away. So it just becomes like circular and and eventually she does go away. And we never talked about that. But that was um uh, that was a really interesting night. I won't I won't tell the full story of that night uh yet, but one day I will tell the full story. So you guys are gonna have to tune into episode thirty four for that one, I think. And uh yeah, I mean I think like I've even brought up things to my mom, you know, kind of just to make jokes, you know, just like refer back to things. And she will say that she actually does not remember at all, which is great. Now, the fact that I know that my grandpa and my grandma listen to my podcast does kind of throw a bit of a wet towel on things because I want to be able to say whatever I want to say without feeling like I'm going to be censored. So in the spirit of personal freedom, I'm going to tell the following story. Grandma, Grandpa, if you're listening to this episode, please exhibit discretion when listening to this um, story. You can just pause it and maybe go to the next episode. You can, you know, skip past it. Just like there's a little dial on the bottom of the screen on Spotify. My grandpa calls it Spitify. Um, there's a little dial. It's kind of like a button or it looks like a button. I don't know how to put it. You can drag that to the left and the right to go to different parts of the episode. I would just drag it to the right, maybe like a quarter of an inch or so. And then you'll definitely skip this story. Okay. So one night my mom's boyfriend came over the house and I was going to be hanging out at the house with my friend, Steven, that I told you about. And Stephen and I were going to take LSD. 
Now, I was 21 years old, maybe, maybe 22. And, you know, Stephen lived a few towns over. He was going to get a ride to my house. And I had always been, like, pretty eager when it came to doing drugs in the sense that, like, you know, I I would get very excited and I would want to just take it as soon as possible, which is probably not the right attitude to have with a powerful psychedelic. So I'm on the phone with Steven and he's like, I'll be over in like 30 minutes. So I go into the freezer, which is where I kept the LSDs. And uh, I open up the tinfoil and I like put a few tabs on my tongue. I put two tabs on my tongue, I think. Uh, what I didn't realize at that moment was that some of the tabs were actually stuck together. So I, I like put like four tabs on my tongue, but there were still four tabs left. Um, maybe 30 minutes later or so I get a phone call from Steven and he's like, Hey man, change your plan. My mom can't actually drive me over. Um, I need to do something at my grandpa's house or my grandma's house. I was like, um, what you're supposed to be here. He's like, I can't come over tonight. I'm sorry, man. I'm like, bro, I already took the acid. He's like, dude, what? Oh, I, I can't come over. I'm sorry, man. I was like, fuck. Okay, it's fine. So I hang up and my mom's boyfriend comes over and they're going to watch a movie on the couch or on the chairs that we had in the living room. So we had two recliners and I think we had two recliners that were next to each other and a few other chairs that were kind of like centered around this giant ass TV that we had hanging and they're watching the movie big with Tom Hanks. And I am just sitting in the chair, in a chair near them, having a normal conversation with them. And then I start to feel the effects. So, Oh shit. I don't know why I scream effects so loudly. I started to feel the effects. So I go into my bedroom and you know, normally when I went into my bedroom, um, while doing that, I would just like watch, you know, like trippy documentary, uh, tri- sorry, trippy videos. Like the Beatles had a bunch of really trippy videos from the seventies. And I would like watch those. They were like animated, like the yellow submarine or their movie help. And, uh, for some reason I decide not to do that. I'm just like in my room sitting in my pompous on chair, hanging out. And then I kind of got bored. And then I'm like really tripping and I just like walk back into the living room and I'm like, can I sit down and watch this with you guys? And they're, my mom and her boyfriend are both like, of course. So I'm just sitting there and I can barely comprehend what is going on in this movie. I'm just like crying and laughing and having such a good time. And I remember my mom looking over at one point and being like, oh my God, you really, you love this movie still, don't you? And I'm like, I love this movie. And she's like, oh, yeah, you used to love this when you were young. Oh, that's so amazing. And uh, neither of them knew that night that I was on LSD. But it was like the ultimate test of whether or not I could keep my shit while on LSD. And I did, I think. I think I succeeded. Now, Grandma and Grandpa, if you've listened to this story and you're upset with me, please, I told you, don't listen. I can't control the things that I did in the past. I can't, I can only decide to keep them secret from you completely. So yeah. Um, anyway, so pretty much what ends up happening that night is like, I just completely avoid any kind of conversation, um, like any kind of deep conversation. And I'm just like watching the movie. 
And, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a nice little bonding moment with my mom's, um, boyfriend at the time. And when I've, I think I, I don't think my mom ever knew this. So I'm sure that if I bring this up to her, because she'll listen to this episode ASAP, I'm pretty sure that she'll be like, I don't remember that. Or she just doesn't know that it happened. And then if I bring this up to her again in like two years, she'll be like, I don't remember that. And I'll have to like put the podcast on for her again so that she can hear it. Yeah. What is the lesson of today's episode, you ask? I would say the episode, the lesson of the episode is I don't have one. Uh, maybe it's, there's a really good lesson in in a book called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. It's a children's book. It's all about what happens when you give a mouse a cookie and how things get, how things will escalate. So it's like, if you give a mouse a cookie, then they will, you know, ask for a glass of milk. And then if they ask for a glass of milk, then they'll ask for this other thing. And that'll lead them to this other thing. And that'll lead them to this other thing. And so I thought, you know, it's going to be a great idea to show my mom my podcast. Because if I show my mom my podcast, I know that she will completely appreciate it and she will be like my number one fan what i didn't know is that she would show it to my grandpa what i didn't know is that she would show it to my grandpa my grand my, my grandma that's how you say that word to my grandma and that you would have to actually be very careful um so now that's where I'm at right now. And I also just wanted to, I have the PDF of if you give a mouse a cookie. And I don't know if I'm supposed to share this, but it is PDF. It looks like it's um, public domain now. So I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> if you give a mouse a cookie, written by Laura Joff Numeroff, illustrated by Felicia Bond. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. When you give him the milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw. When he's finished, he'll ask for a napkin. Then he will want to look in a mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. When he looks into the mirror, he might notice his hair needs a trim. So he will probably ask for a pair of nail scissors. When he's finished giving himself a trim, he'll want a broom to sweep up. He'll start sweeping. He might get carried away and sweep every room in the house. He may even end up washing the floors as well. When he's done, he'll probably want to take a nap. You will have to fix a little box for him with a blanket and a pillow. He'll crawl in, make himself comfortable, and fluff the pillow a few times. He'll probably ask you to read him a story, so you'll read him one from one of your books, and he'll ask to see the pictures. When he looks at the pictures, he'll get so excited he'll want to draw one of his own. He'll ask for paper and crayons. Then he'll draw a picture. When the picture is finished, he'll want to sign his name with a pen. Then he'll want to hang his picture on your refrigerator, which means he will need scotch tape. He'll hang up his drawing and stand back to look back at it, 
Looking at the refrigerator will remind him that he's thirsty, so he'll ask for a glass of milk. And chances are, if he asks for a glass of milk, he's going to want a cookie to go with it. The end. Okay, I am pretty sure that I'm not going to get in any trouble for narrating that story. If I do get in trouble, uh, I want you guys to know that I took the risk because I thought you would benefit from that story. It taught me a very valuable lesson, and I hope that it teaches you one as well, which is do not give a mouse a cookie. Don't show your mom your podcast. Don't show your grandpa your podcast. Don't show your grandma your podcast. Don't show anybody your podcast. Because if you do that, then you're not going to be able to say the things you want to say, and your grandma's going to tell you that you say the F word too much, and your grandpa's going to tell you that you're vulgar, and that you should really watch the things that you say, because it's offensive to people his age. But guess what, grandpa? Guess what, grandma? You guys aren't my target audience. You're like probably 40 years at least older than my target audience. That felt really mean. I hope that the lady across the um, corridor that has boobs that are always out that I thought was a flat-chested early 20s boy uh, doesn't listen to my podcast because that would be really bad, especially after I just said that about her. So I'm going to jump off here. It is midnight. I stayed up late. It is Easter tomorrow. So that was um, my horns for you guys. I hope everyone has a beautiful Easter weekend. I don't have any family in Berlin, so nobody has taken me in for their Easter, but I do have the pleasure of going to an Easter party tomorrow, which I'm really excited about, uh, with one of my really good friends here, and um, yeah, it, sh- it should be a really good time. So I hope you guys all have a safe and happy and healthy Easter, and I will probably record another episode in a few days. Peace out, guys.